0: going to continue today our series entitled Reset, and uh, I want to just kind of dive right on into Genesis chapter 1 is our foundational scripture. The Bible says this, it says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, and they will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, and all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Verse 28 says, and then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. If you look at that first point, we said we have to reset. Why? Because we are supposed to represent God in the earth. We have to reset to represent. Uh, We were created to govern the earth as representatives of God, and we cannot rightly govern if we are not rightly connected to the one we're representing. I just want to reiterate for just a second that the reason a reset is significant, the reason we have to return to that default setting is because this is really about the governmental authority of God. This is about God's kingdom coming and God's will being done on the earth As it is in heaven and when we return to that place that God intended us to return to and we reconnect to that original default setting that God has for our lives all of a sudden our lives become instruments where the governmental authority of God begins to flow through us and we saw last week and over the last couple weeks that the Bible says in the book of Romans that the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy And we said that when God's governmental authority flows through us, it produces righteousness, peace, and joy. And without God, guess what? You get a governmental system that is perverse, that is corrupt, and you get authority that is being abused. Instead of empowering people and equipping people and serving people, authority becomes a tool of manipulation and oppression that keeps people from knowing God. And so this is a significant thing. So when we talk about returning, resetting to these basic elements of the faith, we're talking about something that is so significant that without a spiritual reset, it is impossible for God's kingdom to come and God's will to be done on the earth. Why? Because God has chosen us to be the governing agency on the earth. We are intended to represent God on the earth. So if the people that are supposed to represent him don't represent him, then guess what happens? There's no godly governmental authority. And everybody in this room can recognize, even though we live in the greatest nation on the planet and we have the greatest governmental structure on the planet, even our structure is corrupted and perverted. Why? Because when you get people that don't govern with godly authority, they misuse authority, they manipulate authority, and they take advantage of the authority they have been given and they use it to oppress the people instead of serve and protect People. If you've ever traveled outside the United States, I've had an opportunity uh, to go to several places. Africa is probably one of the best examples of that. You go to many third world countries and you recognize the reason they are living in such poverty is because there is an abuse of governmental authority. The people that are in authority use their authority to oppress the people instead of serve the people. And they become more oppressed and more debased and more beat down. Why? Because because the people that are supposed to be empowering them to rise up take that authority to bless themselves and then to oppress the people and so there is a desperate need for God's governmental authority in the earth and you are the vessel right you are the person we are the church right We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians. We are representatives of Jesus. We are ambassadors for Christ. And so it is so significant that we reset our hearts. And so as we talk about these very basic things that bring us back to that default setting, we are talking about advancing God's kingdom because without governmental authority, God's governing authority in the earth, our world has no hope. Amen? So we need a spiritual reset. So we talked about a couple weeks ago, we said number one, prayer resets us, right? Prayer takes us back to our default setting, which is an intimate relationship with God. Intimacy with God is the result of prayer. And we said prayer is not just about bowing and bending, it's about walking and talking. We talked about prayer as conversation and communication with God, and all of a sudden, when I begin to communicate and conversate with God on a daily basis, and it becomes a daily part of my life, walking and talking with God, all of a sudden it creates intimacy. Right? It takes me back to an intimate setting and an intimate relationship with the Lord. Last week, we talked about fasting. We said fasting resets us, it takes us back to our default setting, which is dependency upon. God, and we talked about that, right? We talked about how there are probably very few things that we can do that that help us realize how much we need God other than we begin to crucify our flesh. We begin to say no to food, and all of a sudden you realize how much you need God, amen, right? You guys, some of you, I know we've got a lot of people, I've heard a lot of people saying this is my first fast, and uh, that first fast is a doozy, right? It's a challenge to work through that thing. I remember Daryl, we did our first fast, and Daryl was fasting ice cream, and he ate ice cream every night. Kelly saw him at the grocery store, and she said, Daryl, looked dead. She said, he looked like a walking dead man. Man, that first fast is hard. And the reality is, is there is nothing like fasting to create a dependency upon God. It makes you realize how much we need him. We are dependent upon him. God, we need you. If we're going to cover our mouths, we need God, right? We need God. God. And today we're going to talk about worship. Worship resets us. And you might be saying, well, Pastor Keith, prayer, fasting, worship, these are some basic things. I've been a Christian a long time. Let me just say this to you today. There are some basic fundamentals of the faith that you never outgrow. You never get so mature in Christ. You never get so rooted and grounded in the things of God that you don't need to pray, that you don't need to fast, and you don't need to worship. You never outgrow these things. These things are the necessary ingredients. They are the essentials to a vibrant Christian life. Why? Because prayer, fasting, and worship take us back to that default setting. They reset our hearts to that place we were intended and created by God to operate and live out of Now what does worship do? This is an interesting kind of take on worship. We're going to see maybe a different approach to worship than what you've seen before. Worship resets us because it takes us back to our default setting, which acknowledges that God is God. When we worship, what are we doing? We are acknowledging that God is God. We are worshiping you, why? Because God, you are God. Now, when you declare that God is God, there's another declaration that comes on the back side of that. If I declare that God is God, then I have to declare that I'm not. God is God and I'm not. God is God and my money is not. God is God and my job is not. God is God and my family is not. God is God and my children are not. God is God. Money's not God, my job's not God, my family's not God, my own want to is not God, I am not God. God is God. And worship has an amazing way of driving us back to a place where we worship Him, we acknowledge. Worship is acknowledging that God is God. Now Romans chapter 1, we're going to see some awesome stuff today. Romans chapter 1 is an amazing chapter in the Bible and it gives us some great revelation into the depravity of man. Have you ever looked at our world and have you ever wondered how in the world can people treat people the way people treat people? ever watch the news or or get a notification on your phone from some news channel and all of a sudden there's murder and there's rape and there's incest and there's all kind of vile and wicked things, sexual perversion, immorality, ungodliness. There are are so many things that are happening in our world today and I don't know about you, sometimes I look at that, especially when I look at the abuse of children, sexual abuse, molestation and I think how in the world can a father do that to his daughter? How in the world? World. Can a mother do that to her daughter? How can parents do that to their children? How can a man do that to his wife? How can a wife do that to her husband? How can a child murder his mother and his father? How can all this be? How can we get to such a point that there is such a depravity, such a brokenness, such a corruptness, such a wickedness in our world? How can this even happen? The answer is worship. We're going to see something today. Worship. Worship is the key. I want you to see this. Worship is the key to righteousness. And the absence of worship or a misplaced worship is the revelation to the wickedness of men. So let's look at this scripture together. Romans chapter 1 verse 20. For ever since the world was created, the people, people have seen the earth and the sky. And through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, and His divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. That one verse tells you answers that question. You ever heard somebody say, Well, what about the people that that have never been to church? What about the people that have never read a Bible? What about the people that have never met a preacher? Well, the Bible says that heaven and earth declare the glory of God so that everybody on planet earth is without excuse. The creation declares the creator. Right? So that everybody on the planet has no excuse for not knowing God. Right? We're without excuse. There's no reason a person, never been to church, never read the Bible, never met a preacher, never heard a sermon, never sung a worship song, in living in the jungle somewhere totally isolated from all civilization, they can look around them and realize there is a God. Right? God declared his glory through creation. Look at verse 21. It says, yes, they knew God, but look at this, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. They instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So look at this. This is all about worship, right? They knew that there was a God, but they refused to worship him. They knew that there was a creator, but they choose to worship the creation instead of the creator. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Verse 24. So God abandoned them. That word abandoned means literally delivered them over. He delivered them over to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. The worst thing that can happen to you is God can let you have your way. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worship. Here it is. Worship. What's this all about? It's about worship. So they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Amen. Verse 26. And that is why God abandoned them, delivered them to their shameful desires. Look at this. You want to know where homosexuality and lesbianism comes from? Here it is. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Look at verse 28. Since they thought it is foolish to acknowledge God. Now what were they not doing? They were not worshiping God. And here in verse 28, Paul gives us an insight into what worship really is. Worship at its basic core form is acknowledging God when I worship him I acknowledge him I acknowledge that he is God and I am not he is God and I am not he is God and you are not he is God and my money is not he is God and my job is not he is God and my family is not he is God and the government is not he is God he is God that's worship look what it says verse 28 It says, and since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them again, delivered them to their foolish thinking, and let them do things that should never be done. Let me just give you a thought right here. When you remove God from the equation of life, when you refuse to worship him, when you refuse to acknowledge that God is God, you know what happens? When you remove God from the equation of your life, the only thing you're left with, think about this, The only thing you're left with is sin, self, and Satan. When you remove God from the equation of life, just think about your personal life. What would happen? What would your life look like, right? We all know that, right? What did your life look like before Christ? It looked like sin, self, and Satan. It was sinful, it was worldly, it was immoral, it was ungodly. It was selfish, self-centered, self-focused, and self-gratifying. And it was full of the, the schemes and the trickery and the deceit and the oppression of Satan, the oppression of the enemy. That was your life before Christ. If you're here today and you're not saved, that is your life. Sin, self, and Satan. Because if you refuse to acknowledge that he is God... And to worship him as God, then the only thing you have left is a life full of sin, self, and Satan. And then he goes on. Look at this next verse, verse 29. And he tells us, here is the manifestation of what happens when you refuse to worship God as God. When you refuse to acknowledge that God is God, this is what happens. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, that means rude and arrogant. They are proud and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. That's an interesting statement. They refuse to understand. You ever met somebody that knew what they were supposed to do? They just didn't want to do it. They knew the right way. They just chose their way. They knew God's way. They just chose their way. They knew what they were supposed to do. They just chose to do what they wanted to do. Why? Because there's no real worship. Because worship acknowledges that God is God, and I'm not. I'm not God. You're not God. God is God. And until you learn to acknowledge Him as God, nothing works in your life. You, when, when you refuse to acknowledge God as God, you remove Him from the equation of your life, and all you have left: sin, self, Satan. Look at the rest of this verse. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They are heartless, and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Sounds like the world we live in. Why? Because worship. Everybody's worshiping somebody. And if you worship God, then you acknowledge that God is God and you're not. And if you refuse to worship that God is God, then all of a sudden you have placed yourself upon the throne of your own heart, and your life revolves around you. And the reality is, as we live in a self-centered, self-focused, self-gratifying, self-destructing world, because worship is no longer worship. We have refused to worship God. So why do we need to worship? It resets us. Why do we need it as Christians? Why is it so important that we acknowledge God through worship? That we acknowledge God through worship? That we acknowledge God through worship? Because it's what keeps us in that place of intimacy and dependency upon Him. He is God and I'm not. The truth is that's a very liberating thought. (laughs) Because when you're God, you're in trouble. Because everything rises and falls on your ability. Your energy, your intellect... Your capacity to meet every need all now rises and falls on you. But when you realize God is God and you begin to live a life of worship, you begin to acknowledge that God is God, man, great things begin to happen. Amen? So let me give you a couple thoughts about worship today. So, worship is more. Worship is more than a song we sing, it is a life that we live. Now, worship is a song, right? How many know this morning? I don't know about you, I was worshiping. <laughs> Man, we were singing and I was worshiping. You know what we were doing? We were acknowledging God. We were acknowledging God, you are God, and you are worthy, and you are holy, and you are righteous, and you are good, and you are faithful, and Lord, you alone are able to do the work that needs to be done in our lives. And we were worshiping God this morning, and didn't it feel good? Worship, though, is a song, but worship is more than a song. I want to give you just a, a scripture real quick. Psalms 134, excuse me, Psalms 98. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing sing your praise to the Lord. With the harp, with the harp and the melodious song, with trumpets and the sound of the ram's horn, make a joyful symphony before the Lord the King. Shout to the Lord. Break out in praise and sing for joy. Sing your praise to the Lord. Why? Because worship is singing. When we sing unto the Lord, we're worshiping. We are acknowledging that He is God and He is worthy. But understand something. Worship is more than singing. Worship is a life that we live. And let me just give you an extra nugget. Let me give you a, just a little thought right here. This is all free. Worship styles are optional, but worship isn't. See, at Liberty, we've tried to create some opportunities, some options for worship styles. Some people like the older stuff. Some people like the newer stuff with the lighter sounds. Some people like it all blowing out, right? We tried to create a little option there. Worship styles are optional because it's based off preference, but worship is not optional. And let me encourage you in something, something I learned years ago, and I had to learn it, but I learned it years ago. I learned I could worship no matter what song we were singing. I learned that my worship had very little to do with my songs. As a matter of fact, when we talk about worship, we talk about songs and music and styles. When God talks about worship, he doesn't have anything to do with music, songs, or any of those things. It's a whole lot more than that. It's a part of that. And I want to encourage you to sing, right? The Bible says we ought to sing, and we ought to sing loud, and we ought to make a joyful shout unto the Lord. This ought to be the loudest place in Arab, Alabama on a Sunday morning. Right, we'll we'll scream and shout. There wasn't no Alabama fans screaming Monday night, was there? Huh? Was anybody shouting? Huh? Was there any shouting going on watching that football game? I promise you there was some shouting going on. Right? We ought to shout unto the Lord, amen? Well, Pastor Keith, I don't like loud noises. Well, you're not going to enjoy heaven. Worship is more than a song. Worship is more than a song that we sing. Look at this. It is a life that we live. Proverbs 3, we know this. Proverbs 3, verse 6 says this. It says, in all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. What is worship? Worship is acknowledging God. It's acknowledging that God is God. Guess what? Worship is more than a song. It is a song, but it's more than a song. Worship is Monday morning, I acknowledge God on my job. Worship is Monday night, I acknowledge God in my family. Worship is praying over my food before I eat it. God, I acknowledge that you're my provider and you gave this to me. Worship is acknowledging God in my finances. See, when you gave your tithes and your offerings this morning, you actually worshiped. You acknowledged that God is your provider. He is your source of your income. That's worship. When you acknowledge God in your family, when you acknowledge God on your job, when you acknowledge God in your relationships, all of those acts of acknowledgement are worship. And God wants us in all of our ways, acknowledge him. And here's the promise, and he will direct your path. He'll lead you, he'll guide you, he'll protect you, he'll provide for you, he'll cover you, he'll meet your needs. If you will acknowledge him, God puts himself under a spiritual obligation to direct your path if you will acknowledge him. That's worship. God wants us to live a life of worship, a lifestyle that acknowledges God in all of our ways. Amen. Worship is more. Look at this next point. Worship is more than lifting our hands. Worship is also bending our hearts. Now Psalms 134 verse 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Lamentations 341 says, let us lift our hands, let us lift our hearts and our hands to God in heaven. Lifting our hands is part of worship. Now, I don't know about you guys, I grew up in a Baptist church, and uh, raising your hand wasn't necessarily uncommon. But I remember the first time, I remember the first time I raised my hand in worship. Do y'all? Do y'all remember the first time you raised your hand in worship? Man, because, you know, the first time you raised your hand in worship, it's kind of like this. Jesus, right? Do y'all remember that? I remember that. And then, then you kind of get comfortable doing this, and then all of a sudden you kind of go up here, and you're oh, praise your Lord. And then one day you score a touchdown. <laughs> right? You start lifting your hands. This is worship. Let me tell you why that's worship. Because when you start to lift your hands, you know what you immediately think? What are people going to think about me? Are people looking at me? What are they going to say about me? Did you notice that all of those things have one thing in common, and that's me. What are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? Are they going to look at me? But when you raise that hand, you know what you just said? You just said, it ain't about me. I ain't God. God's your God. And I'm going to lift my hands in the sanctuary because God, you're God. And I'm going to praise you because God, you're God. And I'm going to glorify you because God, you're God. And that's a powerful thing. But worship, I want you to understand, that's awesome. But worship is more than that. Worship is not just lifting our hands. Worship is bending our hearts. I want you to see what Jesus said, Matthew 15. Jesus said, these people draw near to me with their mouths, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. They draw near with their mouths, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. See, a lot of Christians kind of look like that little five-year-old boy. You know the little story. His mom told him to sit down in the chair. He was standing up in the chair. She said, son, sit down. He didn't do anything. She said, son, sit down. He didn't do anything. Third time she said, son, if you don't sit down, I'm going to call your daddy. That little five-year-old boy sat down and he said, I'm sitting down but I'm standing up on the inside. We got a lot of Christians lifting their hands but they're not bending their heart. They're lifting their hands in church but they're still standing up on the inside. That's not worship. Worship is lifting my hands and bending my heart. Until I bend my heart. So what what does that really mean? Well, think about this. When we do this, right, we think of touchdowns and all this crazy stuff. If you ever watch one of the old war movies, it's called surrender, right? What do they do when they surrender? They come out just like this. I don't know how I could preach without Glenn. Do y'all know? (laughs) It's called surrender. You you know what this means? Let me tell you what this means. When I raise my hands and I come walking out like this, you know what this means? It means I'm going to stop fighting you. I'm going to stop resisting you. I'm going to stop opposing you. I'm surrendering to you. That's worship. Worship is lifting my hands, but worship is also bending my heart that says, God, I'm going to stop resisting you. Some of you resisted God this week during the fast. Some of you coming into this 21 days of prayer and fast said, well, I ain't got to fast. I don't know why I got to fast. I fast is for all the people over there. Right? Don't nod your head too much. We'll know who you are, right? But we resist God, right? Think about it. But when I worship, you know what I do? I not only raise my hands, I bend my heart. I'm no longer standing up on the inside, I'm bowing on the inside. I'm submitting my life, I'm surrendering my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Let me give you this last point. Worship is more than a feeling we get. Praise God for the feeling. Somebody say, Praise God for the feeling. Man, we had a re encounter yesterday, and I mean, the presence of the Lord was so powerful and so thick. There were tears. There was rejoicing, the glory of God. Isn't it amazing? God can make you feel so good you cry. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Makes you feel so good you just start to cry. And this morning as the presence of God moved in this place, how many of you know, man, I could feel the Lord this morning because you feel his presence? But how many of you know worship's more than a feeling? More than a feeling because the feeling stops. I don't feel it all the time, 24-7. I know God's there 24-7, but I don't feel it all the time. So is my worship just supposed to be what I do when I feel the presence of God or is my worship supposed to be a life that I live? It's supposed to be a life that I live. Worship is more than a feeling we get. Worship, I want you to see this, is a sacrifice that we make. There's a a principle in studying the Bible. It's called the law of first mention. And what that simply means is when you're studying Scripture, you find out when something is first mentioned in the Bible, that first mentioning becomes significant. It actually becomes an element of interpretation for everything that comes after it. The first time the word worship is used in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 22. And in Genesis 22, we get God's first picture of what worship really looks like. Here it is. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey, the lad, speaking of Isaac, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife, and the two of them walked on together. How many know that when Abraham told those, his servants, Me and Isaac's going to go up on the mountain and worship? How many know there wasn't a praise band on the mountain? There wasn't a choir on the mountain. There wasn't a hymn book on the mountain. There was nobody up there singing, there was no music. When Abraham said, we're going to go and worship, you know what he meant? We're going to go and sacrifice unto the Lord. We're going to go and sacrifice unto the Lord. Worship is sacrifice. The Bible actually calls in the book of Hebrews the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to God. And this morning in my quiet time, this is what the Lord said to me. He gave me a, a new definition of sacrifice. I want to share it with you. He said, sacrifice is when we give to others what we need ourselves. When we give to others what we need ourselves, when I need prayer and I give prayer, when I need ministry and I give ministry, when I need encouragement and I give encouragement, when I need a blessing and I give a blessing, when I need a a breakthrough and I give a breakthrough, when I need somebody to light my load and I give somebody else a lighter load, you know what that is? That's worship. That's sacrifice. When I give to others the things that I need, that's sacrifice. And that's worship. And that is well-pleasing to God. See, because there's one thing. Here's just a great little thought. There's one thing we are more aware of than anything, and that is our own needs. You are more aware of your needs than you are of anything else. I mean, right, you've been fasting this week, right? And you have been very aware of what you're not eating. Right? I was talking to a guy yesterday. He's been fasting meats and sweets. And he said, man, I got on my work, he, he bought this big old double cheeseburger. And he took a bite out of it. And he set it down on his plate. He said, and that meat was just staring at me. He was very aware of his need. But you know what worship is? Worship is when I give to others what I need myself. I need a pat on the back. Why don't I give somebody one? I need a helping hand. Why don't I give somebody one? Right, it's really really the principle of sowing and reaping. But it's worship. It's sacrifice. And God has called us to reset our hearts to a place that says, God, I want to acknowledge you every day in my songs and in my hands, but in my life and in my service and in my sacrifice, I want to acknowledge that you are God. And I'm not. Let's bow our heads together today. If you're here this morning and maybe you have never made that decision to acknowledge God as God, but today you realize, hey, when I remove God from the equation, all I've got left is myself, a world filled with sin, and Satan, who is my enemy that wants to destroy me. But today... Today, I want to acknowledge that God is God. I want to commit my life to Him and ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I want to put Him in charge of my life from this day forward. If that's you today, you say, Pastor Keith, I've never made that decision. I've never truly acknowledged God as God. Oh, I've said there is a God. And I've said I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But I've never really acknowledged God to the point that i bent my heart, submitted my life, and followed Him. But today I want to do that. Today I want to begin a brand new journey of what it means to invite God to be the centerpiece of my heart and my life. I want to worship Him today as God. I want to be saved. I want to be born again and start a brand new life in Jesus today. If that's you, I want to ask you to stand to your feet. It's a bold act, but I want you to do it right now. Just stand up. As people are standing right now, this is your opportunity. As you stand, our ushers are going to bring uh, just a simple packet of information. We want to give you something to help you along the way. I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. But if you're here today and you say, today, Pastor Keith, I want, I want to acknowledge God as my God. I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I want to worship God today with all my heart. I've never really done it. But today I want to surrender my life to Christ if that's you I want you to stand we're about to pray if you've never done that or today you want to do that maybe you need to recommit your life to the Lord today is the day the Bible says of salvation now's the appointed time if you're standing I want to ask you to pray with me and everybody in here let's just pray this prayer together dear Heavenly Father I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins rose again on the third day and offers forgiveness and freedom and eternal life through His gift and His sacrifice. So today I acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and I surrender and submit my life to Your Lordship. I'm not God. You are God and I will worship You serve you, and follow you all the days of my life. I receive by faith the gift of your grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise this morning. Congratulations if you prayed that prayer with us today. We love you. On the front of that packet, there's a little card. We want to ask you to fill that out. And if you would, bring it back to the first-time guest area or give it to an usher on your way out. God bless you today. Stop by the information center and check out what's out there for you to get registered. Have a great day in the Lord. Amen.